0: So I get to to jump in on this Ecclesiastes series. And uh, one of the things that I was struck by as I read the passage, and I think this is true of Ecclesiastes and I think a struggle that we have with the Old Testament broadly. Whenever I read this passage, which we'll read together in just a second, I was struck by the way that we could miss see who God is if we don't read it rightly. So I think that there's a perception that can be seen from this past passage that God feels intense. Uh, this passage is going to talk about making vows and keeping them and, and being obedient and fearing God. Like There's this very uh, intense way that we can see God through this passage. Uh, and I think that that naturally leads us to, to believe, to let things creep in, into who we think God is that changes the way we pray, that changes the way we view him, Uh, and really can just creep in in these small ways where we buy into false perceptions of who God is. Uh, And so as we talk tonight, it's a big part of what I'm going to focus on, is making sure that we have an accurate picture of who God is in the way that we approach Him. So uh, I'll put up my main point here, and then we'll read the passage. So Eric, if you put that up for me. So what we're going to do tonight is I'm going to work my way through this statement, kind of, section by section. So the main thing that I'm trying to get across tonight is that we must approach God with fear and reverence because he has proven himself worthy. So I'm gonna read the passage here uh, and then we'll jump, jump in. So uh, Ecclesiastes 5, 1 through 7, it says, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Better to approach in obedience than to offer the sacrifice as fools do, for they ignorantly do wrong. Do not be hasty to speak, and do not be impulsive to make a speech before God. God is in heaven, and you are on earth. So let your words be few. Just as dreams accompany much labor, so also a fool's voice comes with many words. When you make a vow to God, don't delay fulfilling it, because he does not delight in fools. Fulfill what you vow. Do not let your mouth bring guilt on you, and do not say in the presence of the messenger that it was a mistake. Why would God be angry with your words and destroy the work of your hands? For many dreams, br- many dreams bring futility. So do many words. Therefore, fear God. So that I think it, a lot of times it's that that fear God that feels extra intense, that intimidates us and makes it hard for us to, to rightly view God. And so the first portion of this that I'm trying to get across is this idea that we must approach God with fear and reverence because He has proven Himself worthy. And that comes out of that first verse. It says, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Better to approach in obedience than to offer the sacrifice as fools do, for they ignorantly do wrong. So, our first mistake here is that oftentimes we just avoid approaching God. Uh, We will go so many other places before we go to the Lord. Uh, We will seek earthly solutions to all of our problems and exhaust all of those options before we ever approach God. And again, part of it is because we don't see who God really is. Um, We are intimidated by God. We think that God dwells in the shadows, that he lives in some far off place, and that should be the last place that we go once we've run out of options. So I think that sometimes uh, we might not admit it, but I think sometimes our interactions with God look a little bit like this clip, that I have here.
1: Now, here's the deal.
0: I'll make you a potion that will turn you into
1: a human for three days. Got that? Three days. Now, listen, this is important. Before the sun sets on the third day, you've got to get dear old Princey to fall in love with you. That is, he's got to kiss you. Not just any kiss. The kiss of true love. If he does kiss you before the sun sets on the third day, you'll remain human permanently. But if he doesn't, you turn back into a mermaid and... you belong to me. No, Ariel! Have we got a deal? If I become human, I'll never be with my father or sisters again. That's right. But you'll have your man. <laughs> Life's full of tough choices, in it? <laughs> oh, and there is one more thing. We haven't discussed the subject of payment. You can't get something for nothing, you know. But I don't have... I'm not asking much. Just a token, really, a trifle. You'll never even miss it. What I want from you is... Your voice. My voice? You've got it, sweet cakes. No more talking, singing, zip. But without my voice, how can I... You'll have your looks, your pretty face, and don't underestimate the importance of body language.
0: Ha! <laughs> so I debated cutting that off like seven seconds earlier, but I think that that's kind of funny. Uh, so... Obviously, it, it feels like a silly comparison because obviously our image of God is not like an octopus, octopus woman living in a cave. Uh, but I do think that like there's some things that right there in that video that display well, more often than not what happens when we go to the house of God and would show why we fear approaching God more so than we feel confident stepping towards that. Like, I think that sometimes we don't pray because we're afraid that God is going to make the kinds of deals with us that we just saw happen with Ursula. We think that he'll pit our desires against one another. Like you saw in that video, uh, Ariel says to Ursula, if I become human, I'll never get to never get to see my family again. So she has this desire to become a human, but she thinks, well, the only way that I could possibly experience that is if I give up this other thing I love. We fear that if we go to God with our desires, if we approach God boldly, that his response will be uncaring. Ariel gives that plea of saying, ah, how could I choose between being human and my family? And Ursula just gives this dry thing, life's full of tough choices, isn't it? Like, I think that sometimes that's how we think God is going to approach us. That we will give him our options and he will say, that's petty. Those are, those are difficult. Like, Figure them out. Uh, and Ultimately, we're afraid of what approaching God might cost us. You know, Ursula talks says, you know, we haven't talked. I've been giving you this option. We haven't talked about what this option is going to cost you. And she says, I'm not asking much, merely a token. What I want from you is your voice. And that, that thing that Ursula demands is uh, Ariel's identity she finds herself in her voice. And so ultimately, I think that we're afraid that if we go to God with our desires, we will have to give up our lives in exchange for our dreams. And all of those things are false views of who God is because God isn't ultimately a deal maker. His goal isn't to get the most and to get us to sacrifice the most. Ultimately, the truth about who God is is that God is kind to us. Like gentle plug for you guys to go to high school Bible study. They've been going through a great book called Gentle and Lowly. Uh, and so I think that, that in that book, there's this incredible picture and quote, uh, it says this, it says, in the one place in the Bible where the son of God pulls back the veil and lets us peer way down into the core of who he is, we're not told that he is austere and demanding in heart. We're not told that he is exalted and dignified in heart. We're not even told that he is joyful and generous in heart. Letting Jesus set the terms, his surprising claim is that he is gentle and lowly in heart. And so the Bible is constantly blowing up our perception of God as like pawn shop God or Ursula God, who takes things from us in exchange to give, to give us things. That we have to give, a, give God a, a token in exchange for his blessing. Um, all of those things keep us from approaching God boldly. Um, And the thing that helps us to approach him is to know that God loves us. He genuinely wants a relationship with us. He wants to hear our heart and for us to approach him, no strings attached. And that kind of leads to the second half of this. So we must approach God God with fear and reverence because he has proven himself worthy. And so the passage says, do not be hasty to speak. And do not be impulsive to make a speech before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. Just as dreams accompany much labor, swallow a fool's voice comes with many words. When you make a vow to God, don't delay fulfilling it, because he does not delight in fools. Fulfill what you vow. So, what I want to explain here is just that sometimes when we actually do start to approach God, we just make some simple mistakes about what prayer has to look like. Uh, and so what I think this first section talks about, when it talks about prayers, I think it says that when we pray, oftentimes our prayers are full of empty words. Like this is for sure my problem. I grew up in the church. And so when I start praying, I just start praying words. Like I've learned the language of prayer. And so I just am like, all right, Lord, you know, and I just start open my mouth and just stuff comes out. I'm not thinking, I'm not conversing with God. I'm just like, Fill in the air with stuff. And oftentimes I am approaching God in such a way that I'm wanting myself to look better. It might be in that environment that I want the people that I'm praying around, I want them to look at me as more righteous. I want my D group leader to see me as more righteous. I want my friend to say, look at this awe-inspiring prayer that Corey just gave to God. That that relationship must be deep. And oftentimes I think <laughs> we want to prove, prove something to ourselves about the way that we pray, that if I can pray the right words, that means that my relationship with God has value. Uh, but that's not, that isn't what prayer is about. Ultimately, prayer should engage our heart and mind. Uh, and if we find ourselves approaching God, not thinking, not conversing with him as if it is a person and friend who cares about us in the way that we talk, then we need to slow down and engage with God with our heart and ask ourselves that question. Am I really conversing with God here or am I just talking? And so then the passage continues. It says, do not let your mouth bring guilt on you and do not say in the presence of the messenger that it was a mistake. Why would God be angry with your words and destroy the work of your hands? So I think the second mistake we make when we approach God and then in prayer sometimes is that when we pray, we don't pray honestly. Like, we're not actually saying words that we mean and plan to follow through on. The image that I have in my head as I was thinking through this is like, I don't know if you've ever seen a, like a war movie where like there's bombs going, uh, going ahead and they're stuck in their foxhole, and you see this person like probably clutching a rosary or something like that and praying like, all right, God, if you get me out of this, I'll never cheat on my girlfriend ever again. And it's like, that's a weird prayer. Like... Are you, like, how? what's your view of God there? And I think sometimes we do that when we pray. We, we structure our prayers in such a way that says, well, God, if you just get me an A on this test, I'll never lie to my parents ever again. Like, Lord, if you just let this cop give me a warning, like, I'll, I'll, I'll go to church every Sunday. And so we see this structure of our prayers where we're not being honest with God, but we're we're viewing God like we would approach Ursula. We're saying, God, I will give you this thing. I will give you my voice if you give me this desire. And oftentimes the thing that we're doing is we're saying, Lord, I'll remove this sinful thing that I struggle with if you'll give me this thing that I want. It's not a genuine prayer. We're not approaching God saying, what is your desire for my heart? How can I achieve that? But we're looking at God almost like a fortune teller. If I lay this thing at your feet, then you will give me what I want. And the truth is, God doesn't need us to supply something for him to act. He can act on our behalf because he loves us. Again, he is kind with us. He gives grace to us. And so we can trust that. We can approach him boldly with fear and reverence. And last, we can approach him boldly with fear and reverence because he has proven himself worthy. The passage says, For many dreams bring futility, so do many words. Therefore, fear God. And again, that, that fear of God is hard if we don't see God as worthy, of, as set apart, as worthy of our obedience. And so much of it is because we don't, we don't trust God with our dreams. We don't trust God with our desires. We don't see him as worthy of bearing our burdens. Uh, and we're, we are afraid that he he will let us down. And I think what's remarkable is that this is just one of the most tangible places where the gospel comes in and the message of the gospel overwhelms our false perceptions of God. Uh, because we think to ourselves that when this passage is talking about vowing vows and following through on these things and like, oh, you better do it because if you don't, watch out. But the bargain that Jesus approaches us with is so much better than we can ever imagine. Like Jesus comes to us and he says the same thing that Ursula would say to Ariel. He says, we haven't discussed the subject of payment yet. You can't get something for nothing. And so we brace ourselves and we start to think like, oh man, like what obedience is he gonna ask of me? Like what thing is he gonna gonna ask me to give up? What thing am I gonna lay at his feet in order for him to to bless me? And, you know, I I say that, and I think we could all fill in that gap with something. The thing that we're afraid, that I don't think that we could handle this if Jesus asked for it. So we're bracing ourselves, we're preparing for the worst, but I think that we're surprised by the gentleness with which he approaches us. (laughs) He, on the cross, offers us righteousness, grace, eternal life, and totally blows up our perception of how this bargain was supposed to work. When he's talking about payment, we think, oh, well, we have to give something of of ourselves. We give him righteousness. We give him obedience. But what he says, as he says, we haven't talked about the subject of payment yet. I will pay everything. I will take 100% of the cost with my life on the cross. I will not, and then not not only will I not give you what you deserve, I will remove your sin. It's like the incredible thing of like, all of a sudden our our bank account (laughs) isn't just like, oh, well, I guess it leveled out to zero, but we're given the overwhelming gift of grace and righteousness and eternal life. And so when we interact with a God like that, We give him fear and reverence. We approach him boldly because he has proven himself worthy. And we go back to the passage. Like If you look down at scripture, we can see why this passage doesn't lead us to just be afraid of God, to treat him like Ursula, but to see who he really is. Verse 1, we want to approach his steps. We approach them carefully because we know what our ability to approach him is cost. And we approach boldly because we know our sacrifice isn't the sacrifice of fools, but the blood of Jesus. We want to listen, verse two, because we know with him are the words of life. We stand before him quietly because we know we brought nothing to the table in the first place. And we keep our vows and we're sorry, we want to listen because we know, we know that he is worthy of listening to and we keep our vows because we know he will keep his because he gave exactly what he promised with his whole life. We measure our words and are careful with our vows because we seek to be obedient with our whole lives. Verse six, our mouth is quick to praise him. Those are the words that come out and we can trust those words will never be a mistake. We'll never regret those things and say to the messenger, I didn't mean that. And last, the dreams and words we have ultimately become his words because we approach God with fear and reverence. And so it reorients the picture. We fear God. We know he is separate and wonderful and holy and good and kind to us. And so we want to obey him. So when we approach God, we want to find out what his desires for our life are. We're not just saying, Lord, what can you give me? How can you bless me? You know, I'll, I'll make this deal with you. I'll make this bargain with you, and then I'll get what I want But if, as long as the sacrifice is acceptable. But we start to seek him genuinely. We listen to him clearly, and then we obey. That allows us to pray with him, pray meaningful words that we genuinely feel in our heart and approach him with our cares because we know that he is a good God who loves us and loves us so much that he was willing to go to the cross and die for us that we might be able to have relationship. So that that's the whole thing tonight. We must approach God with fear and reverence because he has proven himself worthy. I'm gonna pray and then you guys can go to D groups. Father, we just thank you so much uh, that that you are not like the false images that we have in your head. Father, that you're not like Ursula. Uh, You're not demanding from us, trying to trick us, trying to catch us in our words, Father. That when you listen to us, you listen to us for your love for us, not to heap guilt or shame upon us. Father, you want to hear the desires of our heart. And so Father, I pray that that would lead us to be able to approach you boldly, to lay our hopes and our desires at your feet, and to be able to see clearly what then you call us to, the desires that you have for our life, and that that would just become this incredibly beautiful cycle, that we would see what you call us to do, and so then we would approach you with our desires, and that you would continue to help us walk the work that you have for us. So I pray that over each of these students that at, there would be moments this week, they would be able to approach you boldly um, without the fear that maybe they have um, of you, but they would, have, they would fear you and that it would lead to increasing uh, devotion and obedience. And so, Father, we just are so immeasurably grateful uh, for the cross, for Jesus who is willing to take 100% of the payment that we might be able to re- reap 100% of the rewards. For all this things in his name, amen.